Bain high steps in front court. Clark will take it. He's got a drive on Porter. Knocks the ball away to Clay Thompson. Thompson bounce pass. Kaminga flies in. Two hand slam. Jonathan Kaminga. Timeout Memphis. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. How much more Jonathan Kaminga will we see? 888-957-9570. Warriors this week rolling on here. Hour number two. Uh, with you until noon today, and then uh, I'm going to be back from Chase Center at 4 o'clock with Alan Stiles. I think uh, Alan and Jim Cozumore are going to mm. take you on into the, the afternoon today. And then uh, Warriors Live starts at 4. I'll have Warriors wrap-up for you after the game. Uh, game 3 tonight, Game 4 on Monday before the series shifts back to Memphis. And, and you hit it in the last segment, Whitey. It is every other day now for game three, four, five, and six. If this thing goes the distance, no game next weekend. Uh, there's always one series every year now that they're back to the, the traditional schedule uh, coming out of the pandemic, but there's always one series in this round that's a Friday-Monday finish if it goes the distance, and the Warriors and Grizzlies getting that, that draw uh, as it leads into the, the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, that's dumb that if there's a game seven of this series, it wouldn't be Sunday, but, but I get it. JD, is it, um, is it too small a sample size here to talk at all about plus minuses? There's some interesting numbers that jump out here. If you look at plus minus, I know it's only two games in and raw plus minus is misleading, but do you know two games in who has the highest plus minus for the Warriors and who has the lowest? Do you have any idea? Uh, I do have an idea, but I'm gonna allow I'm gonna allow you to 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 move forward. But I do have an idea. Okay. Do you know, or you mean you have an idea, or you actually know? No, I I do know, yeah, but I, I don't. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. allow you to to okay. set it up. Okay. To, Thank you, know. you. Yeah. I just, uh, Otto Porter's plus nineteen two games in. That's the highest. So when he's been on the floor, and again, this is just when he's been part of the five man lineups. It's not an individual thing. The Warriors are nineteen points better. Jordan Poole is plus 12, and the lowest for the Warriors two games in, minus 20. To, and I've been checking this and checking this and checking this. <laughs> Steph Curry, the Warriors with Steph on the floor, the first two games are minus 20, J.D. Well, and, I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you Steph Curry's got to play better. Yeah. I mean, flat out. And you look at, you look at game one, he made threes in game one, and, and that was – you know, pretty much the reason why the Warriors were able to, to win that game. The the five of twelve from three point range uh is, is how the Warriors are able to, to win that game. But then in game two, twenty seven points but on twenty five shots. Mm -hmm. And the the Grizzlies really, you know, three of eleven from three. So the the Grizzlies were able to to make him work and you know, it's it, and if he's going to score twenty seven, making him take that many shots, I think is something that the that the defense would would have to live with. It's got to be a little bit more efficient. I mean, let, that's I think that's the big picture takeaway as far as as far as uh, you know how the Warriors do this moving forward is is the offense has got to be better and more efficient. That's when the Warriors win. The defense to this point, other than maybe jaw down the stretch of game two, has been good enough. How do you think they will? How do you think they should switch things up? Defend Ja tonight. Uh, I well, I think they need to take the ball out of his hands a little bit more than than they have. It, it, I, I think they need to double him and make him make him give it up, and and get it back. Like let's see how the Grizzlies react to him having to give it up 
and who their other playmakers are going to be if he does give it up. Like, what's their counter to, to that? And again, I don't think you want to give them a heavy dose of that early. I would give them a little dose of it early ju- just, to, just to see how they react to it, and then I'd maybe go away from it. Uh, but I, I think down the stretch in games – you got to do that. I think you got to try to get him to – he loves going left. I think you have to try to overplay him, make him go right, and, and see how he how he reacts to that. Um, and then continue to sag and and give him the three ball, although in the first couple of games he's, yeah. he's been able to make enough of them. I, I thought it was a little fool's gold for him in game one. He made the first two, and then he was two for nine, and we talked about that on Warriors wrap-up. I thought it was a much more efficient and spread out uh, three-point barrage from him even though there was only one more make in there on the same amount of attempts I, it was more spread out uh, in game two for him yeah and again those two things that you just talked about they go hand in hand as we know and we've talked about it and the Warriors know and they just have to put it into practice the more efficient they are offensively the less frequently jaws in transition whereas it, forget about it I mean when he gets a full head of steam so yeah the more efficient they are offensively the higher percentage they're able to shoot, uh, the less often you got job barreling down the lane at you. We've had a few texts here on the Xfinity mobile text line. And look, the, the texters and the fans, the fans love Jonathan Kaminga. They love Moses Moody. A lot of Moses Moody. Warriors should give Moses Moody minutes tonight. Uh, his long arms might affect and bother Morant. Uh, a lot of a lot of Moses Moody. I mean, Kaminga. I think everybody understands is is going to play. He's already played in these first couple of games. What what do you think of the potential for Moses Moody to get minutes in in this one? I I, I mean, I I think anything is possible at this point. I just don't see Moody coming in as a jaw stopper. No, no way. That's a bad idea. I understand where it's coming from, and I love Moody, and I think he's going to be a really good player. I really do. But I go back to when he was drafted, talking to somebody who covered him. Uh, in college, and even the people that were, this guy's a really good player, even they would tell you, you know, he's a good team defender, doesn't have a lot of lateral quickness necessarily. That's just, And that was him coming out of college, and that's something, you know, that that's not learning schemes and things. He's going to be a really good team defender. He's not great laterally against a quick guy, so I think that would be a real disservice to Moody right now to say, hey, you know what, kid? Go get him. You got jaw. I, I understand where fans are coming from on that, but a, a good defender, but not in this instance. I, I don't think he'd have any chance whatsoever, J.D. Yeah, a lot of people wanting wanting more of, of Moses Moody, the 415, Whitey and J.D. Uh, I think the, the Warriors should give more minutes to Moses Moody. There's an, another one down here. A good point, J.D., uh, Warriors need to attack John Morant more yep, and yep. wear him out. I think that's part of it too is attack him more on the other end and 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 in, in addition to to trying to get the ball out of his hands uh, when the Grizzlies have the ball. I I think making him work a little more defensively, trying to wear him down. Maybe a couple of these shots on on some of his drives wind up falling out, and then you can't foul him. I mean that's the other part. You know the Warrior. The, you know you look at the differences between Game One and Game Two. He got to the free throw line 13 times in game two. He got to the free throw line three times in game one. Those 10 points plus the one extra three that he made, that's how he went from 34 in a in a Warrior win to 47 in a Grizzlies win. Yeah, that was really discouraging what he was able to do down the stretch of the last game. And you could see how exasperated Draymond was because, you know, the Warriors take a lot of pride in that. And they just didn't have the means to stop him. I'm wondering offensively. And I agree with you and the texture, and I think it's a great point. 
you want to work jaw when you have the ball to maybe wear him out. Do you think perhaps one reason the Warriors haven't done more of that is because it takes you out of what you typically do offensively? We know how, you know, you see Memphis in the half court and it's dribble, dribble, dribble. Yeah, set a screen on the guy that we want switched on jaw. And, you know, the Warriors are player movement, ball movement. And you get away from that a little bit when you're focusing on going after one guy. And I, I think we will see more of it. But I'm wondering if that's why, one reason why we haven't seen more of it is because it's not typically the way the Warriors attack. No, I, I think at some point, though, if you feel like you're vulnerable enough in a series, and maybe the Warriors don't feel that they're to that point yet, being 1-1 and, and looking at the shooting percentages from, from game two, they did get the split and now they're coming home. I think that's something where the adjustment I gets made. I agree. Once you feel like you're vulnerable, yeah, and, and we've seen the Warriors do that in the past. You know, Steph, uh, you know, Steph Durant pick and roll used to be the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like when are you get when when you get and the Warriors would never do it until they would get either down in a series or or in the finals, <laughs> right? And yeah. I think some of it is you don't want to allow teams to be able to prepare for it and practice it and the and the like, but. Uh, I I do think that is something to keep an eye on here moving forward is at what point do the Warriors look to maybe attack a little more specifically? Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll see. I expect more of that tonight. I expect them to switch up what they do defensively and maybe, maybe, as I said, a little more zone and they're going to keep Darren Ja to make those three-point shots. Uh, That said, you know, there's a fine line between give him the shot and just don't even have anyone near him when he shoots it. You got to find a way to at least contest a little bit, even when you want him to, to take that shot. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570, the phone number to give us a call or shoot us a text. It's Warriors this week, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. We're getting you ready for Game 3, Warriors and the Grizzlies from Chase Center tonight. 5.30 tip, Warriors live at 4, and uh, the Warriors to play Game 3 tonight, Game 4 on Monday at Chase Center before the series will go back to Memphis for Game 5 on Wednesday. So a little bit of a break the calm before the storm as these two teams go at it again beginning tonight. Uh, from the 203 on the uh, Xfinity mobile text line, Kaminga is too young to play elite team defense. I saw Draymond literally shove him into position on one possession. Yeah, there you go. There, That's what it is, and you don't see that. As you said earlier, we tend to see the highlight plays, and he's a really good player. But, you know, come playoff time, it's a whole different game, and he already had so much to learn at the defensive end. It's not a knock on him, but he's just not there yet where you, you can get away with playing him major minutes against a team like the Grizzlies in the playoffs. Come Let's on. Get, Moses get, Moody, yeah, are you exactly. kidding me? J.D., we're better than that. Moses Moody, oh. what, what's going on? Yeah, I, and, and look, I, I think at this point, at this, and a lot of double Morant more uh, coming in here. Uh, and, you know, the five one zero bringing up an interesting point as far as it pertains to, to Steven Adams. If Adams plays, Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't foul nearly as much. The big lineups worry the Warrior fans, I think, more than they need to worry Warrior fans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I, like I said, we'll see. Steven Adams, he's a fine player. Um, but I think they're going to have a hard time keeping him on the floor for some of the same reasons, not that he's guarding anybody like Cat uh, in this series, but for some of the same reasons, he only played in six games against Minnesota. Stephen Adams played 31 minutes total in the six games. So you want Stephen Adams to play major minutes against the Warriors? Good luck. I'd love to see how that works out. 
And before we get Charlie back on the phone line, so just one quickie from the 925, uh, Whitey thinks Moody is better than KD. <laughs> so just take Yeah. Okay. If you've been yeah. listening the last couple of weeks, <laughs> you get the joke. By the way, <laughs> if, Jordan uh, Poole, yeah. yeah. What I originally said to Keith, all that was Jordan Poole is a better playmaker than Kevin Durant, and I think he's proven that. I know we don't want to spend too much time on that, but I think Jordan Poole has proven what I said was right, uh, J.D. I'll just, I'll just leave that there, but Jordan Poole right now has to play better at the defensive end. That was embarrassing the way Ja turned him around on that one play in the last game. You can understand it, but that, that, was, that was hard to watch. Yeah, and and look, all, all they're going to have to collectively be able to offset his deficiencies defensively, and he's also still got to be, you know, a, a net positive in terms of being just as unguardable on, on the other end. Mm-hmm. And and look, he saved the Warriors in in Game One of the series. You know, Game Two, eight of sixteen overall. I mean, you look at it; he's seven of ten from two, but the one of six from three. So he has a nice game, but but again, one of six from three. That you know, Clay Thompson, two of twelve from three. Steph Curry, three of eleven from three. So you you look at at those two, and that's just you know that that's not going to get it done for those three collectively. When you look at what is that? My quick math: six of twenty nine for the for those uh, three players collectively from three point range uh, in route to the seven of of thirty eight overall. That's that's just not not going to cut it. Let's get Charlie uh, in here next on ninety five seven. The game. What's going on, Charlie? Charlie. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, uh, just a couple of points. Uh, one thing I, I would like to see happen regarding Ja, I, I mean, I, I don't know what you could do with, do to him on offense because he's, you know, he's un, almost unstoppable. But why why not they incorporate something along the lines of what uh, the Suns and Chris Paul did with Luca? Make him work on defense more. Try to tire him out. I mean, he I think he only had collectively four or five fouls in the first two games. And I don't. I think if you can, like, just however, by whatever means possible, try to try to run him on defense because he's not a good defender, much like Poole. And um, also, in addition to that, I, I would like to say, I, I'm quoting one of the guys from the other show. I don't know if it was Steiny, one of these. I'd like to see Kuminga release. They got to release Kuminga. I, I would like to see he's athletic, he's tall, he's long. I, I'd like to see him get some more play tonight and see what they could do with him. I don't think he should start because I, I think why do you make the point that uh, or, or that starting him or he was you JD that he it might be a, a little too big for him. But I, I would like to see Kuminga get more play. Um, and I, I have a question for both you guys. Since the Kerr run, since uh, the Curry and Clay, this whole dynasty, the turnovers, just, just, just uh, listen. I know there are turnovers, and there are turnovers. What is it? Is it just in their DNA? Is it just instinctual? Like some of the turnovers in Game Two, like when Curry was like flipping it like over his shoulder. You do that against Orlando in February. You don't do that in Game Two against Memphis. Like, and I'll, I'll take your answer off the phone. But like, they have had 35 turnovers in two games, and I know a lot of those turnovers are by Memphis's defense. And they, I think they led the league in, in creating sure. turnovers. But why the, the, the mindless turnovers? Yep. Especially late in the game. Yep. Like, what, yes. what, what can they do? Like, why is that happening? 
It's a great question. Thank. It is a great question, uh, and and thank you for for the call, Charlie. We always appreciate it. It it it's the it's the unforced turnovers, and to me, it's also the bad shot turnovers, or the or, or what the Warriors need to to avoid. As far as why does it happen, I think a lot of it is your greatest strength is your is your greatest weakness at times, which is you want to have so much ball movement and freedom to to make plays that that you get a little caught up at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. By the way, Charlie, to your other point about Kaminga, I think if we see Kaminga more, one of the reasons we'll see him more is because he has rebounded well in the last couple of games. I think he has 11 rebounds in the in the two games. Um, so he's done a good job there, which he needs to do to stay on the floor. But as far as the turnovers, um, it's a great question. I've been trying to figure out for, like you, Charlie, like most Warrior fans that have thought about it, Literally for years, why does this keep happening? Not to be redundant, because I know I mentioned this last week. I was in for Damon week before last, and I asked Steve Kerr about that. Um, how do you, as a coaching staff, when you know the team is going to, you know, things like the fouls and, and I think it was specifically fouls, but things like fouls and turnovers, when the team continually makes these mistakes and you tell them and they know this is a mistake. You have to stop doing it. And they keep doing it. How, how do you find a new way to remind them of that? Steve Kerr said that can be the benefit of a loss. It's one thing to talk about it when, wow, we lost the game because of that. Maybe, maybe they learn that way. They're smart people, and they know it too, Charlie. I think J.D. is right. It has to do with the Warriors' offense, player movement, ball movement. They're good passers. They take more chances than they should sometimes. So that would contribute to some of them. But you're absolutely right, and I referenced it earlier. When you see some, and Draymond had a terrible turnover in the last game, and Steph had one, one-handed with the left hand. There, I don't understand it because there's just no reason for it. So at the very least, you know, turnovers are going to be part of Warrior basketball. If you can just clean up the ones that are really totally unforced and unnecessary, I think you can go a long ways towards making things a lot tougher on the Grizzlies tonight. Yeah, I, I think as as far as it, it, it's the turnovers, but it's also the bad shot turnovers, and and that those I think are even like some of the careless ones, the unforced ones. I think some of those you have to live with. Certainly, you want to limit them. To me, where the Warriors have been caught up, and and what really bit them in Game Two is that fine line between what is a good shot versus what is a great shot, and I think that's also where the Warriors become at times a victim of their own success because they're so good at making what a lot of teams would consider to be bad shots, right? Oh, open three, Clay Thompson. Why did he shoot that? Oh, that's in. Oh, Steph Curry, yeah. pull up three from, from 27. That's a that's a bad shot for most yeah. players. Well, not for Steph Curry. So I think at times the Warriors get caught in taking a few too many of those because they're so good at that, and when they're hitting them, they're almost unbeatable. So you're continuing to go for them but then it's when do you dial that back and and keep the ball moving and as Steve Kerr likes to say take what would be a a good shot and and move it around a little bit and get a great shot in the rhythm of and of the offense while you're also making the the defenders have to work a little bit harder which also takes a toll as a game and a series goes on I've always said JD that a bad shot is a blood relative of a turnover because mm-hmm. the result is, you know, typically the same. It's like, you don't score, another team uh, gets the ball. One of the things that I think Charlie was talking about here that I know frustrates me watching the Warriors, and let's go back to the game here, end of the year against Phoenix, 
when you had Draymond making a terrible turnover when he was trying to hit Porter. And apparently Porter maybe was supposed to go somewhere else, but Draymond leaves his feet and then throws that pass and is picked off, and Chris Paul was, like, laughing at him. That's one of the things troubling, especially about this year, is so often those really careless turnovers are made by guys like Draymond and Steph. You know, if you have a young player making it, it's almost easier to say, yeah, he's got to learn not to do that. But when you see your your championship core sometimes, those two guys making some of those really unnecessary turnovers, those are really hard to understand. From the 925 on the Xfinity Mobile text line, when it works, they're the Globetrotters. When it doesn't work, why? Yeah. I think that's yeah. perfectly said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just take too many chances sometimes, unnecessary chances. Got to clean that up against a Grizzlies team that feasts on that. 888-957-9570, and they do feast on it in part because they are not a great half-court mm-hmm. team offensively. And I think the Warriors, when they force the Grizzlies to play half-court, again, aside from John Morant's little takeover at the end of of game two, the Warriors, I think, have really frustrated the Grizzlies. It's, it's not often where you look at the Warriors in in a collective game and or series and say, hey, the Warriors are the better half-court team. <laughs> I mean, you think about, like, in terms of just running half-court off, but, but the Warriors in this series, I think, if they are patient, do have a, a significant advantage in they can clamp the Grizzlies down, I feel like, in the half-court defensively, but I also think the Warriors have enough skill and talent offensively to where they they can be the more efficient team in the half-court, and, and that's how you win playoff series. Yeah, the Grizzlies uh, taken nothing away from them. They had an excellent year. They had a truly special season this year, and they're a very talented team. But these last couple games, watching them offensively in the half court, it's like, oh, my goodness. This team in the half court, they're not that hard to guard. But then you lose GP2, and all of a sudden there are more matchups out there that Memphis likes, and they stand around and jaw waits for Pools on me, great. Waves off a screen or, hey, somebody set a screen so I can, when they're picking their matchups uh, in the fourth quarter, as we saw, then their half-court offense is a lot more efficient. So that, again, is one of the things where it's missed so terribly about GP2 being out. But, yeah, they're, and especially when you got, like, Baines not shooting well. That guy's a good shooter. When he's not shooting well, they're struggling to make shots. They're not a difficult team to guard in the half court as long as you can keep Jaw from getting to the basket, which is their offense. Like, what do they do now? Jaw's going to try to take the ball to the basket and give him credit. I mean, he, he's able to do it more frequently than you want him to, but that's basically their half court offense. Yeah, and they've, they've tried to find certain matchups to where they think Jaw can be successful. And I think the Warriors have to be a little more conscious of, you know, when they switch versus when they double versus when they try and have somebody, you know, fight to stay mm-hmm. with them, maybe whoever the primary de- defender is. I think the the Warriors have gotten a little too caught in, okay, here's here's the Grizzlies switching uh, and, and switching to a point where it's, you know, all right, this is a matchup that's favorable, and Jock can then at that point attack, and he's either going to get a foul or he's going to get to a, a spot uh, to where he can make a play as he did at the end of, of game two. That's a great point. I've been thinking about that a lot because the Warriors were one of the teams that really brought into vogue in the NBA uh, the policy of switching everything all the time. There was a time in the NBA where you didn't necessarily do that, and I know it's really tough, 
players are so talented offensively that, you know, the pick and roll is still around because it's effective. And it's tough if you're not switching a pick and roll with some of the guys setting screens to get through there. But I'm wondering if maybe that's one of the things you try is depending on who the defender is and who's setting the screen, like, hey, Wiggins, if Poole's Poole's man is setting a screen on you, we don't want to switch that. We want you to fight through. I know that's easier said than done, but I'm wondering about that, J.D., as the Warriors look for solutions to guarding jaw. 888-957-9570. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. We're halfway through here on a Saturday as we're going to be with you until noon. Our full day of Warriors-Grizzlies coverage rolls on right here on 95.7 The Game. Warriors down eight. Morant has the ball. Down the lane he goes. Bumps into Wiggins. Throws it away. Thompson the steal. Poole on a foot race. Goes up and jammed it with a right hand. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, rolling along here, halfway through, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. The phone lines are open, Warriors and Grizzlies. It's game three of the Western semifinals tonight at Chase Center. Uh, What do you think of the crowd tonight? What do you think it's going to be like as Chase Center the first playoff experience in the Nuggets series and now the first first experience for the building and the Warrior fan base in San Francisco in a long, long time as far as the semifinals in the Western Conference. What do you expect after a couple of real raucous games in FedEx Forum in Game 1 and Game 2? J.D., as we tipped off our show today on one of the monitors here in our studio, um, I might have been on TNT one of the Batman movies uh, was on. And so, you know, every so <laughs> I glance up and see the Joker, Batman. And that's kind of what this series has become. It's heroes and villains as the best playoff series often are. I think it's gone maybe a little too far, as we know, um, with what happened to Gary Payton II. But given all the animosity, all the back and forth between the fan bases, everything that's at stake here for the Warriors' legacy, uh, this series and beyond – It's going to be unlike anything I think we've ever heard at Chase. I don't think it would be wise to suggest it's going to rival anything we ever heard at Roracle, but I think we're approaching that. So I think, and I know you've been out there, I think it's going to be a very raucous atmosphere. I think the Warriors will have a very clear home court advantage tonight. We'll see how the young Grizzlies respond. By the way, I mentioned Desmond Bain. He hasn't played well. His back apparently is feeling better, so the Grizzlies are somewhat optimistic that he'll be playing better tonight. His uh, back did not show up on the injury report for Game 3, but they're going to need a big night from him. Yeah, they are, and and interestingly enough, you look at the way that this series has has played out, Whitey, as far as the Warriors able to hit the Grizzlies in terms of Second chance points, twenty to ten yeah. in in game two, uh, in in game one, twenty six twenty four. So it was even, but points in the paint. The Warriors have won that in both games, fifty six forty four. Uh, I think the Grizzlies for the season averaged right around fifty six fifty seven points in the paint. It was the Warriors with the fifty six in game one to forty four, and the Warriors sixty to forty two in game two points in the paint. So they're limiting some of 
what the Grizzlies do and do well offensively, they are being successful. It's almost been an opposite series in the sense of Warriors on the boards and second chance points and points in the paint. But the Grizzlies in both games of the series have outshot the Warriors from three point range, the 14 to seven in, in game one in terms of makes, but, but they out hit the Warriors 16, 14, or I'm sorry, in game two, 16, 14 in game one. Yeah, the, and the three-point shooting, we know it it should improve, and I know we've we've talked a lot today about giving Memphis some credit for running the Warriors off the three-point line, but we know the Warriors are a much better three-point shooting team than we saw in the last game. The rebounding is really impressive, and you were at the game, but last week, game one, uh, Jeff Van Gundy could not believe the way the Warriors were creating uh, second-chance opportunities. And real quick, this is just game one, starting with Clay going all the way through the lineup, the rebounding numbers for the Warriors in that game one, total rebounds, you know, one, eight, four, seven, three, eight, eight, six, one, six. So a real team effort. And sometimes that's cliche and it's coach speak when a team is um, shorter, smaller up front. Coaches talk about gang mentality. Everybody's got to hit the boards and be aware of it. And the Warriors have done it in this series. It's been remarkable. And it's a credit uh, to Coach Kerr and his staff, and most of all to the players. Kaminga, for example, has rebounded very well. Otto Porter is a rebounding machine, J.D. Yeah, he he has been, and I think you know, the the rebounding has been a big part of why Otto Porter has been a, a net positive in his time out there because I think he has helped them generate uh, generate some some extra chances and and some extra possessions, and and the Warriors have have needed uh, every bit of that. Andrew Wiggins has been uh, t- to your point all over the mm-hmm. the offensive glass. Which which one of these things though do you think is the most likely? to flip because I I do tend to believe in some ways it's been almost an opposite series. The Warriors starting to, because I think that's where you think, Hey, if the Warriors start making shots from the outside, then this is going to be a series to where the Warriors are in a, in a real good way, real quickly. I think that's somewhat of the sentiment from, from the warrior fan side of things, start making threes. This series changes, but I also think that could be in line with, hey, let's say the Grizzlies start doing the things that they do better in the next couple of games of this series because, uh, you know, like hitting the Warriors on the glass on the interior and, and starting to win in terms of points in the paint and the advantage there. I think the Warriors' three-point shooting is going to assert itself. I think that's more likely. And seven for 38. you got to be kidding me. And yeah, they took a lot of bad shots, but even with that, they should have shot a higher percentage than that. Coming home, getting the crowd behind him. Um, I think the and they didn't shoot especially well in the first game. Not bad, fourteen for thirty-eight. So I think the Warriors uh, and they know what I think they're going to make some adjustments there as far as when they're shooting. I don't know if they'll shoot as many, but I think they're going to be more efficient from the three-point line, and I think that could be the absolute key to the the two games here in San Francisco. Yeah, I think the the attempts are right about in line I mean they're you know, right around 40 I guess it was what 38 in both games right mm-hmm. 38 and then you make right. 14 yeah and not a great not a great percentage but I think and that number's down a little I mean there were think about how many games this year the Warriors you, they were in the in the 40s yeah yeah uh, but I think they've been able to part of the points in the paint advantage for the Warriors I think has been because they haven't shot the three ball so well and so a lot of these second chances have come off of you know, a lot of the those points have come off of missed threes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one way they've mitigated 
uh, the size disadvantage is by spreading the floor and taking threes, but you just got to make them. And I, I expect, uh, I expect they will. And again, Stephen Adams' name comes up here as we're talking about the rebounding because some expect that maybe he can address some of this rebounding deficit. But it is, and I think even Memphis observers know that it's going to be hard for him to get on the floor a lot, even if he plays. They, they, they don't like to finish with him. They don't like to start with him. So he may help, but I don't think it's going to be a huge factor in the rebounding department if Steven Adams is back in action tonight. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason uh, here on 95.7 The Game as uh, we're with you until noon today. A couple of text messages uh, coming in here. I do want to address this one from, from the 408, and we appreciate it. I've been down your road and others on Kaminga because so many 95.7 guys have made the lazy take that he's a rookie, he's young, hasn't earned it, instead of why he doesn't fit into the rotation or the matchup. Talk about that. What about his defense, his shooting that, that has kept him out? Uh, we did address this a little bit in the first hour, so I apologize if you weren't if you weren't listening in, in the first hour of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he provides a, a, an ability to a, attack inside that, that the Warriors lack, but the issue is not... The issue isn't the flash plays, and I think a lot of fans get caught up in the flash plays with Kaminga, and they think because he makes a wow play, that means he should be out there, and he's not making any other mistakes when he's out there. The mistakes are falling asleep defensively, uh, in, in particular off the ball, not knowing where he's supposed to be, and you know defensively. Uh, you know, positioned. We had a texter earlier that referenced Draymond physically having to move Kaminga into position uh, as as the Grizzlies are are bringing the ball up the court. And it's and this hasn't been necessarily on display in the first two games. I think he's done a nice job, and that's why Steve Kerr may be earning a little bit mm-hmm. more trust. But mm-hmm. he has to run hard and he has to rebound. Like for for somebody of his body type to not be able to rebound, and and that was the case at times in in his rookie year. It, it means you're not trying because Jonathan Kaminga should immediately, you know, in 50, he should be able to get close to 10 rebounds, I think, if he's playing 20 minutes, almost by accident, especially with all the missed shots in, in this series. So it's the, it's the, is he in the right spot? It, you know, is, is the intelligence there? And is he just, is he working hard? It's, you know, it's, it's more about the plays with Jonathan Kaminga that, you don't see when when he doesn't make you go wild. That's when you need to be paying attention and asking yourself, what did he do on this play or that play? He makes the wild plays, which is why I think he skates in the in the court of, of fan opinion because everybody wants to see more of that, dunking on somebody, blocking somebody's shot. For every one of those wild plays, at times, not always, but at times, there have been two or three other plays to where Maybe the coaching staff is saying, oh, he didn't he didn't do that right or wasn't in the right spot. So I, maybe an over-specific answer there, but I wanted to clean it up because I know, uh, well, we were asked straight up about it. Yeah. So he, thank you, 408. He is a, a lot of fun to watch, and it's a great point you raised, and we talked about it already. He's rebounded very well in this series, and I think that's one reason why he's going to get more minutes. But defensively, we know at times this year the Warriors have, have tried to put him on bigger people. There have been times when he's been getting shoved around. Um, and you can't have that in this series, so it depends on on the matchups. Um, but he's playing with a lot of confidence, and I think his defensive confidence too is 
is improving. So if he continues to rebound like this, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna continue to earn more minutes. But I, you know, I think some people get carried away because he is such an exciting player that somehow you know he can carry you or something like that when the offense is struggling um, and he's just not there yet. He has a chance to be, which is great. But in this series, especially against a team as physical as Memphis. Um, he's playing really well now, but it, it, the notion that he needs to play more minutes is probably really unrealistic right now. And he is going to play. I mean, he's played yeah, 15 yeah, minutes essentially yeah. in the first two games. And it, it's look, they don't have a good it, the math is easy. And I, I tried to lay out the math as far as, you know, when Steph and and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond and, and Looney, when Looney was starting, were out there. You knew those five were going to play. You knew Poole was going to play. That was six. You knew Peyton and Porter were going to play seven, eight. You knew Iguodala was going to play. If he was healthy, that's nine. Well, now you take Iguodala and Peyton away, and you only have seven. So even if Jonathan Kaminga, and at one point Bielitsa was even 10 when he was playing, now he's not playing. So now you you knock that number in terms of players that are playing is it's down to seven. So if it's down to seven and Bielitsa is not a factor, then whoever that next guy is – is going to figure to play, and that ne- and so that's how Kaminga can go from somebody maybe out of the rotation to suddenly playing in every single game, and I, I think that's where he where he's at. Does that wind up being twenty minutes plus? I don't know, but I could see it being a little bit more than the fifteen that he had in the game on Tuesday night. Yeah, I just uh, JD, I think people are going to be upset if we see more of Damian Lee, but I think we're going to see more of Damian Lee, especially if he makes a few shots here. So <laughs> we're going to have to keep our fingers crossed on that. Yeah, but to your point, Kaminga played 14 minutes, and I think that was the eighth highest total on the team in the last game, uh, four or five, or maybe the seventh highest because, uh, you know, Peyton didn't play very much. So he's getting his minutes. He's making the most of his minutes, but he's not in a position now where he should be playing 30 minutes a game. He's nowhere near that ready for this, especially against this team right now. All right, let's get Jonathan in San Francisco on the phone lines, 888-957-9570. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, good morning, guys. I got uh, keys to the game. Um, keep the turnovers down around 10, no more than 15. Another key to the game is uh, keep these games, especially at home. Uh, you know, hopefully the three-point ball is going to be around 40%. And the uh, last key for me is uh, catch-and-shoot play. That's his classic play. He has to be that classic play, not not the, you know, hunting for shots, dribble, dribble, say, that, that play's no good. So he needs to remember don't hunt for shots, bro. Let the gun, let, let the game come to you, and it's all gonna be great. Go Dubs. Thanks for the call. Uh, look, it, it's the. I think the better taking the better shot in rhythm, maybe passing up a couple of the quick ones for for better ones as the ball moves around the horn is. That's probably the simplest adjustment that the Warriors can make because, look, you still want Steph and Clay shooting the three ball because it's it's what they do. I know we had a texter, hey, the Warriors were 0 for 19 on open threes. They just need to make the shots they normally do. Well, there's such a thing. You can be open and it can still be a bad shot. And I think at times, you know, we do get caught up in in the greatness of the Warriors because, and I mentioned this earlier, they are such a good and great historically they make more bad shots than than other teams and and when they don't 
I think we tend to say, oh, well, they just need to make, you know, they need to make the shots they normally make. You also maybe need to limit some of the bad ones and a, a little bit when they're not going down the way that they were in the Denver series because they were the, the Warriors hit a lot of bad shots in the Denver series. Now, is part of that because they were comfortable because Denver couldn't defend them? Sure, but that's been the biggest change from from the one series to the next in terms of the three point shooting for me. It's been the bad shots were going in against Denver, and then we were looking for nicknames for everybody and now they're not in this series and we're slowing our roll on that somewhat. Yeah, for all the bluster from the Grizzlies, and look, they're they're a fun team to watch. They're exciting. But for all of John, yeah, we're going to have fun now. And for all the, you know, the, the way the fans are treated the Warriors and screamed at Draymond, for all of that, last game the Warriors let them off the hook. The way the Warriors shot the ball, took bad shots, and the turnovers, as the caller mentioned there, it's a, one of the most important points you can make in this series. The Warriors, yeah, the series is even, and the Warriors should feel good about that. But they know they let that team off the hook in Game 2. They had a chance to win the first two. They didn't. So we'll see what they do about that tonight. But 18 turnovers in each of the first two games. When we all knew going into the series, Warriors really have to limit turnovers because Memphis will force turnovers, and they feed off that. Um, That's why the Warriors... We're so frustrated with that last loss because I know they had it there. And they, as I said earlier, they participated uh, in their own demise quite a bit in that last game. No, they they did. And and it was a it was just a big time opportunity to to really put a hold on this yep. on this series. Yep. I mean, if they were able to steal that game, we're having a different conversation. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a sweep today, yep. mm-hmm. frankly, if if the Warriors are able to win that game, even though they didn't play that well. Now it's 1-1, and now the Warriors have to offset the loss of, of Gary Payton the second, which I know there, there's varying degrees. I think it's a pretty major loss. Me too. How does it get offset? Uh, it gets offset, I think, by the Warriors being a little bit more efficient offensively and maybe trying to do some things defensively that, that they aren't always as comfortable doing, which is maybe not switching all the time, which you mentioned earlier, and also maybe doubling a little bit mm-hmm. more and trying to, to take the ball out of, out of John Morant's hands in certain situations, including down the stretch of games. Make him get rid of it and get it back and see if somebody else can, can, maybe, can maybe beat the Warriors if the game is close. Yeah, and again, you can't you know switch or, or not switch, uh, and you can't blitz a jaw if uh, you've missed a shot and he's coming at you in transition, and that's what they do. That's how they beat you. So the Warriors take care of the ball better, make a few shots. They should get, uh, they should restore order to this series. As you said, if they'd won that last game, JD, you'd you'd be wondering if you're even going back to Memphis. And now you've already already made your yeah. your plans, right? You've made your travel plans. Yeah, back on Tuesday morning, yeah. bright yeah. and early. <laughs> bright bright and early after game uh, after game four. I know the Warriors are going to practice here. They've changed that up a little bit uh, over over past years. Typically, when they would go east a couple of time zones they would they would fly and then practice but I know before they left to go to Memphis they practiced here on Saturday and we were on the air a week ago before all of that went down and then they went with the afternoon game but they're even planning on practicing here at this point in between game 4 and game 5 and then and then flying for uh, another one of those 8:30 8:30 central time starts uh, on on Wednesday night you know who's been awesome in this series is Wiggins He's defended well, and, you know, he's carrying the heaviest burden when it comes to Garden Jaw in the half court. Uh, he scored here 16 and 17 points 
Um, and the dunk, and I forget who it was that he dunked on, but when he stared down, the, was it Clark? And he dunked in the last game and stared him down. I was like, oh, we're getting that wig in. So that's a really good sign for the Warriors going forward. 888-957-9570. want to clear up something here on the Xfinity Mobile text line. Our buddy Greg in San Francisco uh, taking exception to – uh, what I had said about Kaminga, I may have, I may have, you know, technically spoken a little over in terms of the rebounding. I think I said ten boards in twenty minutes, uh, something like that. But the, the point I was getting at, and Greg, you know, he took it literally. Hey, you're talking about sixteen points in thirty six minutes, which is, which is, you know, Rodman level stuff. But what I'm saying is, he has to be an active rebounder, yeah. point blank. And he had five, and he had five in fifteen minutes, and 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 he had six. In in what fourteen minutes right. in, in game two, uh, so I think you know that's that's the point or five yeah he had five and five and five I mm-hmm. guess, um, but the the point that I'm getting at is yeah he needs to be about a ten rebound a game guy if he's playing thirty minutes I I really do believe that but I think it's even more important right now specifically for him to help on the boards if he's going to be playing in the game he has to be making the hustle play the hustle plays if he's going to be, to be playing it's not just about putting his head down with the ball in his hands and going to the basket and scoring he has to do the other things if he's going to play can i tell you a really funny story about rebounding and larry bird real quick sure okay i was talking this week to jerry reynolds who uh used to coach the kings and he knows larry bird they're from the same hometown and he was telling me that he told larry bird once larry bird was averaging like 11 rebounds a game uh, and he said, Larry, you're a great rebounder. This is great. And he goes, I'm not a great rebounder. I'm a good rebounder. A great rebounder is McHale. And Jerry Reynolds says, what do you mean? McHale's a power forward, and he's averaging eight rebounds a game, and you're averaging 11. And Larry Bird says, I average 11. I try to get every rebound. Kevin McHale try, only tries to get 12 rebounds, and he's getting eight. So he's actually he's a great rebounder because he only tries to get 12 rebounds a game, and he still gets eight. So I just thought that was a funny way to look at rebounding is so, so much about effort and, you know, uh, Rodman was so good because he tried to get every rebound. You have to try. It's, it's, really, it's not just did the ball come to me. So much of it is about effort and a mindset. So that, that was my Larry Bird story about rebounding. Mikhail was a better rebounder, um, be, and he, he got fewer because he didn't try to get as many. All right, let's sneak in Robin in San Francisco before the top of the hour. Hey, Robin, how are you? Hey, you guys, how you doing? I wanted to say that I agree with you wholeheartedly about Kaminga. I mean, he can't be out there if he's a defensive liability. I saw the play where Drake literally had to tell him, I think it was in the first game, where to be on defense. You cannot have that um, in a playoff. So, I, you know, sorry, Greg, if you got upset with J.D., but he's absolutely right. He's great on the offense. It, it, it seems like we only see one side of the ball. I don't think he could stay in front of um, Ja, but they need to turn down on the turnovers. That's one thing. And the shooting, we already know it's obvious. But what I'd like to really see you guys, and you guys can speak to it later, what it all entails, is don't get off to a slow start. Come out and punch them in the damn mouth. Tell me when the last time you've seen the Warriors have come out and give somebody a good old-fashioned A-whooping. I have not seen that, and that will really send a message. Peace out, you guys. Love you both. Nice All right, thanks, point. Robin. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Just just looking back through, yeah, Warriors down eight at the end of the first quarter in game two. They were down eight at the end of the first quarter in game one. You go back to the, the series against the Nuggets, 
and the Warriors were, you know, within one or, or down one in, in, in all of those first quarters for the, for the most part. So, yeah, the first quarter, they, they have not gotten off to these rousing starts, Whitey. Yeah, well, as you said, we were so busy trying to name that three-guard lineup, nickname it, um, during much of that series. And now, where are we? Well, if they do start that lineup tonight, I think they will. You, I don't know how you feel. I know a number of textures have made, you know, strong arguments why you would, you would start um, Looney. We'll see. But if they start that bunch, that bunch is going to be on the spot to a degree tonight for the reason Robin mentioned. If you're starting a three-guard lineup, you got to get off to a really good start. And if they're not able to, then we have to question some of the things we thought we knew about that lineup and how potent that lineup really can be. All right, two hours down. we got one hour to come. 888-957-9570. The phone lines are open. It's John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. It's Warriors this week. We're getting you ready for Game 3. Tonight, Western semifinals inside Chase Center, going to be epic. And we got it all for you here on 95.7 The Game.